Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Chris Friesen. He coaches high achievers and elite athletes. Chris is a licensed clinical, forensic, and neuropsychologist who has always been fascinated by what makes people successful. He helps entrepreneurs, executives, elite athletes, academics, and writers achieve their personal and professional potential. He's currently director of Friesen Sport and Performance Psychology, a contributor to success.com, and the author of Achieve, Find out who you are, what you really want, and how to make it happen. Chris, I'm so glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me. Now, before we jump into more about your business, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you like to do when you're not working. Mm, Good question. Uh, So I'm a dad. I'm a father. I have a a four-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Um, So that does take up a lot of my time, and and that's a big part of my life. Um, I, I love to read. Uh, of course, I, I have to sometimes resist reading too much self-help type work or neuroscience uh, books and force myself to listen to, uh, list, sorry, I say listen because I listen to a lot of audiobooks as well, uh, uh, listen or read more fiction. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I like to do things that are pretty low key, spend time with my daughter, I do some yoga. I exercise uh, almost every day. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm. What I do outside of my work. Well, we all love to be inspired by people's journey. So the first part of our conversation is really going to focus on your journey. How long have you been coaching, and what led you to get into it? Great question. I, I've been coaching, doing pure traditional coaching for at least about five plus years. Um, you know, I started off as, I still am a psychologist, so I still see patients who have psychological difficulties. Uh, as you noted in the introduction, I'm also a neuropsychologist uh, and a forensic psychologist. Forensics is obviously criminal uh, uh, work. I don't do criminal work. I do assess police officers and work with police officers, but I'm not do- using, uh, I'm not uh, working with criminals at this time. Uh, the neuropsychology is individuals who've had problems uh, with the brain, so brain injuries, uh, strokes, Alzheimer's, uh, that kind of thing. So I, um, I've always, like you said in the introduction, I've always been interested in success and successful people and how people overcome uh, challenges since I was a teenager. And I've, um, uh, when you go into psychology, it's not really a focus. Uh, clinical psychology, for example, is obviously focused on people with difficulties and uh, not really so much a focus on um, the other end of the spectrum, the, sort of the positive side of things. Of course, there are subfields in psychology, like positive psychology and uh, human performance, um, you know, sports psychology work as well. So I've always been interested in that on the side. A lot of my research as a graduate student was in uh, personality, so normal personality variations, what that predicted, how that could be useful to understand people, help people, that sort of thing. And so as I got out and I left working for hospitals and prisons and that sort of thing, I opened my own private practice and that was in about 2010, I believe. And uh, since then, I've been doing a combination of all those things, uh, 
with more and more focus on working with high achievers like athletes and other um, people who are looking to be more successful, uh, getting more and more focused on that as the years go by. Well, everybody knows that starting a business can have a whole lot of ups and downs. So can you tell us about one of your big disappointments or maybe a low point? Yeah, that's a great question. I When I was... Um, in high school, I had very low self-efficacy in terms of my belief in my ability to do well in school. Um, it was actually through sports. I played competitive hockey as a goalie um, and reading a combination of self-help books like Stephen Covey, uh, Anthony Robbins. I think I was about six, 15, 16 years old. Reading autobiographies like Arthur Ashe, I remember uh, um, Christopher Reeves, people have overcome significant challenges. And I started to apply what I learned there to schooling, and that really helped me. So that was it was kind of a low point in terms of my career. And of course, I was young at that point. So the last year of high school, I really turned things around. There are other some low points in graduate school. I I have ran into um, uh, without going into too many details. I've run into um, working with uh, you know supervisors who didn't have your best interest in mind. Mm. Um, and that could, you know, that slowed me down in terms of my progress. Um, but it was also an eye opener. I, I used to have a very rosy perception of what academia was like. It's, you know, you, you, you study and research your favorite subjects and everything's, you know, hunky dory. And, but of course, like all, uh, work environments, there are, comp, you know, people are competitive at times and there's, you know, the good and the bad. So that was a bit of an eye opener and it sort of recalibrated what I wanted to focus on. Um, when I got out, especially working in private practice, um, I started to make a lot of money doing uh, something called independent psychological evaluations for uh, disability, like long-term disability, workers' compensation, that kind of thing. I still do a little bit of that work. Uh, it pays very well. It's not very inspiring. Um, and, you know, at the very beginning, I became... Uh, sort of anxious about surviving in private practice. So I focused a lot of my efforts in that arena because I had lots of referrals. And that kind of took over my life for uh, for a couple of years. And it really took me away from what I was really interested in doing. Um, and it took a lot of reflection. It looked, took a lot of uh, bravery in the sense of putting up with the discomfort of cutting that type of work way back to focus on things that were more interesting to me, that were more in line with my strengths and values and goals. And so that's, those are some of the you know, low points uh, or learning uh, or challenges I've, I've experienced uh, that I can, that come to mind. Mm, yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of times people think that, you know, that they're just going to be an overnight success. I mean, you know, you hear, you hear people joke about, you know, it only took me four years to become an overnight mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot of consistent action before you can catch that first big break. Can you tell us about a tipping point in your coaching business, you know, when you finally felt like you were gaining momentum? Yeah, it's it's interesting. A couple of years ago, um, I had a phone call from uh, someone who was doing a podcast who was local to where I am and uh, said, uh, you know, first called, said, I, 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 um, I think he read my website and, and he wanted to ask me a lot of questions. And I'll be honest, the first thing I said, no. Uh, I said, no, thanks. <laughs> I, and I had a lot of, uh, my mind was, you know, chirping a lot of uh, not so helpful thoughts. Like, um, what if my call, my psychology colleagues listen to what I have to say and I say something silly? Um, you know, what, um, you know, you know, lots of thoughts like that. It was mostly anxiety based. 
And it was interesting because I thought, after I hung up the phone, I, I thought about it for about an hour. And I thought, listen, I got to practice what I preached. I'm feeling really anxious about this idea. And that's why I said no. And we know from working with people with anxiety that the, the most helpful thing is to do what your anxiety tells you you shouldn't be doing, um, you know, when our anxiety gets out of whack. So, my, you know, I thought, I'm going to call this guy back. I'm just going to do it. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and this person came over to my house, actually. We did the interview there. And it actually went really, really, really well. And it was a big surprise. Um, I never, I've never done any sort of media. I've didn't, at that point, I hadn't written a book. I've never written for Success Magazine. I was basically working with individuals. I've done presentations, but it was, it was a turning point. Uh, he, he, he gave me a lot of positive feedback and said, you should really be on more podcasts and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And he was saying, you should have a book and these sorts of things. And, and I had ideas for a book for a long time, but that was a real turning point for me because I, I didn't, that wasn't part of my self-perception as someone who would talk in front of large groups or giving media interviews or writing books, at least at this point in my career. And so it really was serendipitous that this person called and I decided to, you know, go against my person, my, my gut reaction, which was to say no. Um, and so I called him back. We did the interview and it was just, it went really well. So that was, a, that was actually a turning point when it came to doing a lot more coaching, um, you know, really developing my, anyway, my brand, uh, developing, um, you know, my writing skills, writing my book, that kind of thing. Mm. So it definitely pays to be aware and, and to make use of, of things when they come your way. Yes. Yes. So, you know, a lot of times we measure our success in milestones or, you know, maybe hitting a certain goal that we've set for ourselves or a particular benchmark. What do you consider to be your biggest win or maybe a favorite achievement so far? Um, I think writing my book, Achieve, uh, that book was uh, a big win for me. It was it, 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 it was at a time when I didn't have time to write a book, <laughs> mm. which, which nobody has time to write a book. Um, at least that's what our minds tell us is that there, this is not a good time. Just like it's never a good time to have children. Of course, our minds sure. say the same thing. Um, so, you know, I really, um, uh, you know, at the time I, I just decided I'm just going to do it. And I had to, you know, make some sacrifices. I had to cut back on my clinical work, my coaching work, that sort of thing. And there was a lot of, again, there's a lot of, you know, anxiety and self-doubt that comes into play. Again, the same sort of thoughts I had going on that first podcast, which was, you know, what, what are people going to think of me? Again, my, what are my colleagues going to think? What if I can't write? What if I just stand in front of the computer or sit in front of the computer and I can't produce anything of any value? Um, you know, this, these are difficult thoughts. And, and of course, I try to take my own medicine when I work with patients is that our, our minds like to put up all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't do something that maybe or is in, maybe in our best interest or that is in line with our goals, purpose and values. And so I decided I'm just going to do it and not listen to my thoughts, allow them to be there, but not get hooked by them and just keep moving forward. So it, it, it was, uh, it was, it was a difficult process, but it was really, um, meaningful process. It was actually a pleasurable process, not the entire time, but it, it really, uh, went really well. And in the end, the book is still doing well. Um, 
uh, it came out last year, uh, about April 2016, it came out. And it's, it's been, um, it's been, you know, in my mind, it was a success for, for what I define as success was that I got a lot of positive feedback on it. I liked the way it turned out. I feel proud of what I wrote. Um, and I really, um, I think it's opened a lot of doors for me as well. So I think that writing that book was probably one of my biggest wins and, uh, you know, so far in my career and something that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of. Mm, yes, definitely. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, uh, have writing a book as one of those goals that mm. they, they feel like it's going to be a, a measure of their success, how far they've come. If they get to the point where they can get that book published, I think that's something that I would love to do at some point. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of times, and you've, there's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff on on the internet sort of suggesting that you write a book and you make all this money or it'll bring your life to the next level which is which is i think is true but you really have to write based on what you know your your strengths and something you're really passionate about of course um but you know one of the things is it it does make money but it doesn't make you can't live at least in my opinion you can't live off the profits of your book um it, it, there's just you're just not at least at least or at least at least with my lifestyle not that i have a very high lifestyle but having a child and everything you know you, 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 and i knew that my actually my goals are pretty modest were my financial goals with the book were to pay off what i put into it in terms of the time i had to take uh the money i had to put into it um and that if i did that that's all that mattered in that sense, in terms of the goal of the sacrifice of finances. And I, if anything that I make on top of that is just icing on the cake, the real meaning out of this was, was to go through the process, um, and, and complete it. It's, you know, it was a big project and it was, uh, again, it was a fun project. And, uh, you know, again, something I, my mind was telling me that I couldn't do, and I did it anyways. Before we move on to the next part of the podcast, and that focuses a little bit more on real action steps that coaches can take to mm-hmm. to start their business, to grow their business, I want to know a little bit about the future. What are you most excited about creating next in your business? Honestly, I'm, I'm most excited about writing the upcoming parts to this book series. So the, the book is actually book one of the, the High Achievement Handbook series. Mm. Um, so book two is, uh, you know, about 30 to 40% complete. Um, and you know, I really want to get back to that place where, you know, I may not be able to emulate the excitement, um, you know, that, that came with writing the first book because it was the first time writing it, but I, I really want to get back to that place of, of a lot more reflection and thinking um, whereas when I'm doing a lot of clinical work or working with athletes or other high achievers or coaching, you know, it's a lot more doing, I guess you could say. And there's a part of me, there's an introverted part of me that really needs that in my life. Um, it's really in line with my, my temperament. And I really, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I think it's, I've got lots of emails from people because I mentioned in the book that this is book one. Uh, you know, a lot of emails ask uh, of people who read the book, uh, the first book, you know, when is the second book or the third book going to come out? And every time I, I, I read an email like that, I get excited and, um, I feel that uh, sense of, okay, I need to make this happen again. And so that's really what the, one of the most exciting things I'm looking forward to. This whole thing has been a learning process in the sense of, I remember my wife saying, she's a psychologist as well. And she says, 
like, do you really want to be like a Tony Robbins? And I, <laughs> I said, there's only one Tony Robbins, of course. Um, and, you know, you know, her, she's suggesting that, you know, maybe, you know, I can't see you being the next Tony Robbins. And it, there, to be in this field of uh, being an author, doing talks, doing interviews, writing for like success magazine, that kind of thing. It's, 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 there's a lot of ways of doing this. Uh, it's, there's not one way where you have to run these giant workshops and be Tony Robbins and be this most, uh, you know, inspiring, uh, person. Um, you know, Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins because he's Tony Robbins. In other <laughs> words, Tony Robbins is really famous and, uh, and does really well because he's being himself. Uh, and the same, I really think that's true for everybody is to really get to know yourself, what's important to you, what your real personality is and living your life, you know, in congru being congruent with that. So that I really think that that's how you, that's what I define as success because that brings a sense of meaning. It brings a sense of purpose. It brings more, passion it brings more uh psychological stability it reduces stress it makes you feel at home so i really think that there's a lot of ways to accomplish you know um or define success and right now i feel like i'm successful i i i don't have any gigantic dreams of being tony robbins um, you know i think i'm kind of living it out and trying to be present and trying to enjoy the process because we can all get cancer and die in three months. And if we were constantly focused on the future and not at all focused on the pleasures and just being the, the meaningfulness of being in the present moment, uh, it's all for nothing. So it's, I'm trying to really balance that because I'm a very goal oriented person and it's been a challenge and I've been working on this and I work with clients on this as well to, to really step back and enjoy the fruits um, it's not all about checking off, you know, your to-do list, uh, of your big goals. Those are important, but as if you have to lose yourself on the way, it's not worth it. So, um, if that makes sense, I'm really folk, I'm really excited about just writing my books and, you know, getting a call to do, you know, certain things like, for example, just a few weeks ago, uh, or sorry, last week it was published. The, the Canadian Psychological Association had a special uh, their, their national magazine came out and had, uh, they have a special issue on concussion and they wanted me to be the guest editor because of my neuropsychology work and I do work with concussions. And that just sort of landed on my lap and it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed the process and, and, and it's, it's been fun. So when you're really focused on what you're good at and things do tend to fall into your lap, uh, to some extent, of course, you have to make a lot of things happen at the same time. So, it's, it's, I'm kind of taking things as they come, um, you know, doing, continue to do what I do and seeing where it goes and just being happy and being present. Mm, that's interesting. I, a couple of things that really struck me about your answer there. Uh, first of mm -hmm. all was that writing the book was, it almost seemed like it's a, a bit of a creative outlet. There's mm. when, when coaches, you know, you get into this cycle of, of running your business, you know, being in business and then having different things that you can do that also bring creativity into that aspect of business. I think that's something that, that even if you don't really realize that you need it or, or that you're a creative person, I think that a lot of times, you know, having those outlets is, is really a good thing for all of us. I agree. 
I agree. Yeah, that, that that was something that in a lot of my work, there was not a lot of creativity in graduate school. Of course, you write a PhD dissertation. There's some creativity there. Um, but once you sort of get out, and it's interesting because that creativity can be used in different ways. I actually have a lot of fun, which I never thought I would, um, <laughs> tweaking my websites. I have two websites, my uh, Freeze and Performance one, and I have a neuropsychology website. And you know, developing them, coming up with photographs or specific videos to embed, or hey, I have a great article I can write. Um, and that, you know, coming up with with that, uh, you know, is actually quite fun, and that's you know quite a creative thing. And of course, writing a book is very creative. And of course, at the same time, it's there's so many parts of writing a book that are not, they don't feel creative mm-hmm. and they're kind of grunt work. Um, you know, making yourself work on the book, even though you don't feel inspired at the moment. Uh, and, you know, doing the editing and doing all these things that are, that, um, you don't really get into too right. much flow, you know, that the zone. I do recall s- certain parts of the book where I would write little vignettes. Um, those really flowed and I felt in the zone and I felt the sense of, Euphoria almost, not quite, but a, you know, a very positive feeling. Time was moving, uh, you know, oh, I wasn't even aware of time, I guess you could say. And there were these, these few elements that were, um, that come when you write a book where you're just in the zone and there'll be lots of other times when you don't feel that at all. And, but you still push through because you're doing it for a bigger goal. Uh, it's not just about that, that, that immediate pleasure you can get or by being in the zone. And I think that's where a lot of people, I've worked with writers and other people, a lot of people get stuck on, or people first trying to write a book. Not that I'm an expert on writing a book, but I'm more of an expert on human performance. And they, they, you know, don't write or don't work on certain things unless they're feeling like they're in the mood or inspired. And I think that's a big mistake. Um, you know, that's, you, you'll never finish a book if you wait until you feel inspired. So I, I think that's really important. Mm, definitely. And then another thing that really struck me is just the idea of, you know, and this, this isn't necessarily, um, just with coaching, I'm sure that it's with a lot of entre businesses mm-hmm. that you, you you shouldn't just rely on one single thing. You know, the not necessarily it being the idea of passive income, but just having different income streams, yes. like having a book, having a, a speaking you know aspect to your business, having a coaching aspect. That there's a a lot of ways that not only that we can be creative, but also ways that we can have those different streams of income. So that we're just we're consistently building our businesses uh, in ways that will that will support us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I really think that's that's important. You know, there's a lot of uh, online programs about how to become an expert and, and that sort of thing. And I've taken some a lot of these. And and you know, I do think one of the problems is people will quit their jobs and try to focus on one very specific thing. It could even be just simply coaching, one-on-one coaching. I think that's you know it's a good place to start. But like you said to dif- diversify. And I don't mean necessarily, and I'm sure that's not what you're suggesting. You don't diversify and do, you know, completely different careers at once, but within your passions, within your interests, diversifying within that, like, like you said, for example, writing, uh, coaching, speaking, and different, different things. And I think that's extremely important, not only, um, to survive and, and to get different outlets for, you know, the different needs of your personality, but also you can burn out if you do too much of one. So it's actually interesting. For when I was working in hospital settings years ago, seeing patients all day long, um, I was constantly feeling trapped and feeling non, like I wasn't being creative. I wasn't using my skills and talents. 
and life was sort of moving, you know, going by without me. And I'd have fantasies about uh, being alone and just writing books, you know, uh, having this sort of introverted hermit lifestyle, which I'm not a pure introvert, I'm slightly introverted. And it's interesting because once I was writing the book, uh, I realized pretty quickly that I, if I had to write every single day, do nothing but write books, I would, I would actually find that not fun. It would be distressing. It would be, uh, I would be more likely to burn out. Same goes with coaching if, or working with patients, uh, in psychotherapy, for example. If I'm seeing patients all day, every day, for me, I can't, um, I would, I, I my performance decreases, my, my levels of passion and interest decreases, and it starts to feel like a job again. So at least in my experience, and I think a lot of people I've worked with, their experience as well has been when you diversify, you kind of, you know, prevent it from feeling too much like a job because you're really engaging different parts of yourself. Uh, when you're doing a talk, for example, even though the subject may be similar or the same, the process is totally different uh, to give a talk uh, versus doing one-on-one -on -one work. To write something, even though the content may be similar, but it's still a very different process than it is to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I really agree with that idea of diversifying because I think it prevents burnout and keeps you interested. And to look at problems or look at your, your field from multiple perspectives uh, is very, very helpful. And I think it makes you better at what you do. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, now, moving into this next part of the conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about what's working right now in coaching in your business. One thing that I like to stress to coaches, and this falls right back into what we were speaking about, is there's a lot of different ways online and offline to generate revenue. So mm -hmm. how are you generating revenue in your business? Uh, yeah, so I generate revenue in different streams. So for example, one is the book. Um, again, on its own, it would not be able to pay the bills. It's sort of like a bonus um, that once it's, it's kind of neat because it's like you said, it's kind of like passive income once it's complete. Although there is still work to do uh, every once in a while to keep your book in people's minds. So doing podcasts, for example, I don't see this as a marketing thing because I just love talking about these <laughs> subjects. These are just, this is fun for me and it's so cool just to be able to do it. Um, um, but also, you know, doing promotions, you know, a couple times a year, um, writing articles, um, you know, for magazines, for example, or your blog, you know, these, those are different ways to, to market, um, you know, for, for the book, for example. Of course, I still work clinically. I occasionally, I still do work with uh, independent psychological and neuropsychological exams. It's, it's an area I have lots and lots of training in, and it's in, in where I am, my skill set is very rare. So they don't really have anyone else to send people to, and the pay is still really high. Uh, so I, I, I know that, that, that is a strength of mine. It's not my passion, but it is still something that, um, uh, helps financially, but it also, um, you know, it also, it's also a skill set that I, that I can use and it does still build self-efficacy. Uh, I do psychotherapy. I do coaching. I do coaching in person with athletes or other high achievers who come to my office, or I do it a lot of it on Skype or the phone, uh, for people across North America, uh, who obviously can't come see me in person. Um, and I do other work. I work with the, the local police department. Uh, I do all their pre-employment uh, assessments. So all new police officers have to have a psychological evaluation before they can become police officers. I also do neurofeedback, which is a type of uh, brain training with people with 
well, some people who are looking for peak performance, but also people who have uh, neurological difficulties like brain injuries, concussions, usually multiple concussions, um, stroke, uh, concerns about age-related memory loss, that kind of thing. It's a big passion of mine. And to me, it's all connected to improving people and helping people live the best life they can. So I have a, I have a lot of different uh, incomes, a lot of different things I do on a daily basis that really, for my personality, keeps me on my toes, keeps me interested. And I, I just, for me, that's really important. Mm. Now, the Unstoppable Coach family is made up of both new and experienced coaches. But what they all seem to have in common is that everybody wants to grow their business in a big way. So what's your favorite strategy for bringing in new clients? One of the, you know, it's, it's interesting. Doing podcasts, writing articles, writing sort of blog posts for my own website, um, and writing my book. Those things I actually really like to use or to guide people towards when they think of working with me. So some people will read my book and then contact me, say, look, I read your book. I, I want to take this to another level. Can we work one-on-one? And I say in the book that I still take on people who are interested to do that. Um, so I do think um, having these different, sorry, guiding new clients to these these resources, I think is important for me. When I got into doing more coaching, um, I really wanted to focus on being myself more. Obviously, these are, these are focusing on high achievement and bettering yourself and achieving goals is very in line with the way I've lived my life. And I wanted, I wanted it to be, when I sort of really focused on this part of my career, I wanted to just to be able to be myself. When you do medical legal work, when you do, you know, other type of psychological work, there is a bit of a persona you have to put on. And I, I, I'm sort of sick of having to put on a, you know, a persona. And, um, so I often tell people who contact me, you know, take a look at my website, listen to some of the podcasts because I'm basically being myself. That's the person you're going to work with. And I want them to feel like there's a good match. And I want to save people money as well and, and save people the time and effort. So they, they, they're not, they don't come to work with me and realize, oh, this is very different than I thought. Or, you know, we just, our personalities don't gel very well. So I really think that, um, guiding people to these resources from books, you know, uh, podcasts, um, articles I've written, articles I've, uh, you know, I've been quoted in, um, to give them a flavor. So to that, to me, that's a big form of marketing. And of course, word of mouth and just doing good work. And I, I that, that I think goes a long way. Um, but when you work sort of with, like I do, coaching, you know, sort of across North America, that doesn't work so much. You don't get a lot of clients from word of mouth because it's not like you're just working with local individuals or people from one company, for example. So the, obviously people across North America don't always communicate. So, so mm. that word of mouth doesn't always work in that, in that sense. So, you know, th- that, those are my favorite marketing strategies. Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't like the idea of really trying to push, you know, uh, to sell people. It's never been part of my personality to want to sell people to, uh, again, put on a persona and pretend I'm going to fix everybody's problems and I'm the best out there. You know, that feels false to me, feels inauthentic. So I really feel like being authentic with people, doing good work, uh, being yourself and, you know, engaging in your interests, you know, if it's writing or speaking, and those are going to actually bring in a lot of clients. 
I'm sure you'll get lots of other um, um, guests on your show that will have b- much better advice when it comes to, uh, you know, social media marketing and those sorts of things. And I have nothing against that. Uh, just for, for, for me, th- uh, that's not my forte. So that's the way I like to, to market. Yeah. No, that actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, well, well, who's your ideal client? You have to know your ideal client. You have to figure mm. out who that person is. And in a sense, that's really what you're doing because, you know, what I hear you saying is that you just put yourself out there as truthfully and authentically as possible. And then those people that really resonate with who you are, that really is your ideal client. They're going to be the ones that come to you. They're going to be the ones that, you know, that really get what you're saying that are drawn to your content and your resources. Mm -hmm. So that's what um, you're going to be drawing into your business. Exactly. And I agree a hundred percent. And I do think that, you know, just being a coach and when you're a coach, you want to really be yourself as much as possible. Um, because we know in the psychotherapeutic literature and actually some of the coaching literature, executive coaching literature is that, um, you know, the, one of the strongest predictors of success is a therapeutic alliance, we call it, or the working alliance. In other words, how well the client, you know, gels with the therapist or the coach, uh, the connection they have. And if the coach is putting on a persona, or really trying to stick to a model of training that is sort of stiff, um, you know, clients can sense that and it doesn't feel like a genuine human encounter. And I think that's important when you, the more you have a genuine human encounter, the more successful coaching can be. Of course, there has to be a strong agreement on goals and what the focus is on. And coaches need to um, really you know, not make up the goals for the clients, find out what the clients, we all know this, of course, what the client's goals are, and then help them achieve those goals in in the best way they can. So, yeah, I I really agree with you on that. You know, knowing what you know now about building up a successful business, what would you say is one action step that coaches should implement immediately this week if they're serious about growing their business? One tool that I use with most of my clients and I've used in my own personal life um, is is a process of visualization and uh, goal achievement. It's and I think coaches who are trying to you know improve their practice or to uh, new coaches trying to build up their 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 coaching practice, I really think this can be helpful. Um, it's it's in my in my book. It's interesting. I discovered this after I wrote my book. And I do talk about very similar things, just in slightly different language. And the research has found um, there's something called WOOP. It's W-O-O-P, which uh, really stands for Wish, Outcome, Obstacles, and Plan, or it's called If-Then Planning. And there's a number of researchers that have been trying to figure this out. Essentially, it's this. When we want to set goals and we want to use visualization um, or imagery properly, there's sort of this process. And, you know, any coach, if you have a goal of, uh, could be an immediate goal. For example, I didn't do this today, but before this podcast, I could have done, you know, gone through the whoop process, uh, for the podcast. Um, or I can have go through the whoop process for my retirement goals. It doesn't matter. You can use it for immediate goals or longer term goals or medium term goals or daily goals. It doesn't really matter. So for example, the W stands for wish, which is what you want to achieve. Um, the, 
O stands for, the first O stands for outcome. And this is exactly what it sounds like. What are you, uh, what you imagine or visualize basically the best possible outcome, like all the great things that'll happen if you achieve the goal. And you really want to use all your senses, uh, imagining yourself, uh, you know, how that would feel, what it would look like. But a lot of people with visualization stop there. They think, okay, I've just imagined it. I just need to imagine everything going great. And that's actually research shows that doesn't work very well. There's a few couple more steps you need to do. The second O is for obstacles. So what you need to do is now imagine vividly all the potential obstacles that could get in the way of your goal. So if your goal is to write a book, uh, of course, that's the wish is to write a book. Outcome is, you know, imagine all the great things that could happen. There's, you know, passive income you know, getting asked to go on podcasts or, or, uh, getting more clients, uh, the, the, the pleasure of writing a book, the feeling of accomplishments. You really get into that. Then you look at the obstacles. What are the things that can get in the way? Okay. Well, I may not feel inspired every day to get up and work on the book. Um, I may have writer's block. I may, um, have other things that come up and get in the way. I may feel lack of energy. I may feel like I don't know where to turn. And so that's where you got to really imagine all those potential obstacles. The last step is called, it's P for plan. It's really if-then planning. And there's research, a huge amount of research on that alone, which is uh, basically you think of all the potential obstacles that you just came up with, what are you going to do to overcome them? So if X, then Y. So if um, I sit down to write and I don't feel, I feel really tired, I will do why. So I will drink some green tea, for example. Um, if I, you know, don't feel like, you know, turning on my computer and working on my, on my book, I will turn it on and work for five minutes and reevaluate. I call that the five minute rule. Uh, so if there's one thing that people could do and research has repeatedly supported this exact order and process to be really effective at achieving a goal is this whoop, uh, Wish, obstacle, outcome, sorry, no, wish, outcome, obstacles, and if-then planning. Mm, wow, that's that sounds like that would be something that anybody could just sit down and, and come up with, you know, just a few things quickly that they could focus on each day using mm -hmm. that plan, and and that would really help them you know, get started. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll definitely add that. Uh, you said there's a lot of research on that. I'll add that into the show notes for sure so that people can find out more information about it. Yes. This has been so good. I mean, I've been, I've learned so much. We're going to finish up now with our final five rapid fire questions. So what's one habit or skill that's helped you to become unstoppable? Um, yeah. So it's one habit would be, or one skill would be not getting hooked. I've kind of touched on this earlier. Not getting hooked by my negative thoughts, my doubting thoughts, and doing it anyways. And you can see a theme through what I'm talking about. You know, like we, like I was saying earlier, if if um, if I, you know, only wrote my book when I felt inspired, energized, etc., it would take me ten years mm -hmm. to write the book because I'd probably only feel that way maybe two mm -hmm. hours a week. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and I, I do write about this in some of my articles and, uh, and in my book, of course, that I really, the research actually really supports this is the most successful people are individuals who make their day-to-day -day decisions about what to do in that moment based on their, their values, their goals, their mission or purpose, uh, not based on their moods, their energy, energy levels or their circumstances. So that for me, I learned that at a, at a young age, you know, when I, when I, 
decided to go back to, you know, I'd start, I didn't not go back to school, but try harder in school was I really didn't believe I had, you know, what it took to be good at school. And I stopped listening to my negative thoughts. I just did it anyways, because I had a goal. Mm -hmm. I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want to, uh, you know, just get finish high school and not be able to get a job. Uh, I wanted to be able to have a career where I could focus on something that's interesting to me and stop listening and stop getting hooked by uh, doubting or negative thoughts because our brains naturally generate those. We can't actually stop them. They're, they're natural. They're part of our evolutionary heritage uh, from cave person days and just go forward regardless. So that to me, that has, if there's one, you know, skill that really got me to where I am today and has made a, the biggest difference in my life, it, it is that. Mm. Great. What's one quality you feel every successful coach needs to develop? Um, practice what you preach, I think. Um, um, you really master what you suggest to clients. So if you have a process, like WHOOP, for example, if you start to use that with clients, um, you know, you really, in my opinion, need to really master it yourself and be using it yourself. Um, uh, I've been a big self-experimenter. Uh, I've done lots of somewhat crazy things, especially when I was younger, from trying different medications, uh, joining drug studies, and, and sort of trying to see how it would, it would affect me so I could really understand um, you know, what happens to the brain, for example, when you put a particular you know, drug. Not that I did lots of LSD or that sort of thing, uh, but... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, and, you know, even from caffeine to antidepressants to, you know, I was involved in some drug studies, pharmaceutical studies, and, you know, really practicing what you preach, though. So when you have, you know, when you, you, you have like a, you know, goal setting, um, uh, exercise with a client that you've done this yourself and you do practice it yourself, because I think this speaks again to the, being genuine in the relationship and being yourself. So if you're recommending things that you don't actually practice yourself, uh, or, you know, you don't have much experience with, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be as effective than if you, you know, really, uh, you know, work on the things that you're suggesting. For example, mindfulness meditation. It's one thing to suggest that, but if you don't actually do it or you tried it a few times, um, it's not going to be as effective. Uh, you're not going to be able to explain it very well. You're not going to be able to understand clients when they come back and they have you know, particular difficulties or run into particular problems with it. Uh, you're going to just not be as well-versed. So practicing what you preach, I think, is a skill that every coach should have. Recommend one book that's had a big impact on your business or on your life. That's easy. The biggest uh, impact for me was Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, I read, I think, when I was 16 years old. That completely changed my life. Um, a lot of your listeners will be aware of this, and some of your listeners may not have read the book or listened to it on Audible. Uh, I would highly recommend people, any coach, uh, to, to, to listen to it. You know, it's, it stood the test of time. It is probably the best self-help book ever written. Um, I think the numbers probably bear that out. Uh, it, it's been, you know, in the top, you know, I would say 20 or 100 self-help books. Actually, I saw it on, when I was on Amazon with my book ranking. There was at one point where I was ahead of uh, The Seven Habits. I was really excited, you know. I couldn't, I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> um, but of course, that book's been around since, I think, 1988. And uh, um, so, so it, that book really helps you uh, understand your values, that, that there are principles that the world uh, and human behavior follows, 
and that if you live your life congruent with those principles, you're going to be effective. If you don't, you're not going to be effective. And, you know, it, it covers a lot of ground, you know, from interpersonal relations, you know, seek first to understand before being understood, for example. Very important for coaches uh, to really listen to our clients mm -hmm. and understand where they're coming from before we jump in and give too much advice. Um, uh, I can go on for 10 minutes about this, but the seven habits of highly effective people <laughs> in my mind, by far the best book ever written. And if you've read that and you read my book, you'll see some connections between the two. And of course, I quote Stephen Covey a few times because there are connections uh, between that um, and, and my book because of, for obvious reasons. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. Uh, that's, a, that's a hard one. One is is uh, that whoop thing, whoopmylife.org. So it's W-O-O-P-M-Y-L-I-F-E.org. Uh, I refer a lot of clients to go to that webpage. Uh, there's an app for it. So that process you can get. So that would be one, um, you know, who, you know, there's a lot, you know, success magazines, got some good articles, um, you know, and of course, um, there's a, there's a, there's a online system. I use Calendly, uh, to book a lot of my, and actually just, I just have discovered that, uh, relatively recently to book and schedule, uh, my clients for my clinical clients, my coaching clients, my, uh, my podcasts, uh, and also, uh, just even phone calls with various people in my life. And I have an assistant that helps, but once I've implemented this, it just, it's a lot easier. It just schedules everything for you. You control when people can book and how long. And, you know, there's a lot less back and forth with emails and calls that, that uh, actually end up being time wasters. Mm, definitely. Now, finally, how can listeners best connect with you? Uh, what social platforms do you hang out on the most? Uh, what's your website address? Sure. My website's freezenperformance.com. So it's F-R-I-E-S-E-N performance.com. It's one word. Um, there you can get links to all the social media and things that I'm on. So if, uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you look up Friesen Sport and Performance Psychology, uh, Twitter is at Friesen Perform. And um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, usually with those platforms, I'm post reposting articles and, uh, you know, to do with uh, peak performance, health, uh, neuroscience, uh, just bettering ourselves in different ways, inspirational articles. Um, on my website, uh, there are, on the top right corner, there is a... Uh, it says, do this every day. If you click on that, you get on my mailing list and it sends you these five tips that, uh, I find to be, I found to be really effective for people. Um, and of course you get on my, my mailing list and every couple of weeks you get an email, uh, describing, uh, usually updating about, uh, the books I'm writing or podcasts I've been on or, you know, things I've been interviewed for. Uh, and just other resources. Um, I'm not actually selling anything on those, except I guess my, my books technically, but it's, uh, it's not one of those you get on the mailing list, you get bombarded with, uh, sales pitches. It's, it's really about sharing information, um, with, with people that are interested in, 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 in these sorts of things. So that's another way to keep in touch. Great. Well, I'll be sure to get all of the links um, to the website and the social, and then obviously we'll link out to um, the book Achieve, find out who you are, what you really want, and how to make it happen. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation, Chris. I really appreciate you chatting with me today. I've learned so much, and, and I just want to say thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.